our core of minor league talent, you know, by all public publications and external we view that we view it this way but external publications view our minor league system as one of the top five to seven in baseball that's the lifeblood of sustaining some level of winning and we need to continue to invest in that Welcome back to the KGLM Sports Wrap 948 our time got 19 degrees right now in the Detroit Lakes area Twins making headlines yesterday, piggybacking on that Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers trade, getting some bolstering arms, or arm, rather, in, in that uh, starting rotation. We're joined now by Brandon Warren of Zone Coverage. He covers the Twins for Zone Coverage. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing well. Uh, so we don't usually hear the, 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 the words Minnesota Twins and blockbuster trade in the same sentence very often, uh, but that's what the, the Twins were a part of yesterday. Of course, Mookie Betts, David Price going west to L.A. And as a part of the deal, the Twins bolster their rotation with Kenta Maeda from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, introduce us to Kenta Maeda a little bit. Well, if anybody thought a trade between Minnesota and a California team was going to happen yesterday, I think it probably would have been for <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so Maeda is kind of like a mid-rotation, number two, number three starter, fairly durable, has a really, really good change-up. His fastball kind of sits 92, 90, 91, 92, 93. But he's got, obviously, a, you know, an interesting pitch mix. He doesn't, like I said, throw particularly hard. But the changeup gets swings and misses, and so does the slider. He was held down a little bit by the Dodgers because he's got incentives in his contract that pay him more the more starts and innings he pitches. And he's been very, very vociferous about his desire to start, which is something the Dodgers were perhaps unwilling or unable to commit to. And with that said, if you're going to get a player of Betts caliber and you can get back David Price as well, you'll probably happily give up Maeda on that deal. Yeah, you're talking about the incentives in Maeda's contract. Those transfer to the Twins. Uh, brings a pretty team-friendly deal. A lot of team control in the next couple of years and a lot of incentives as well for Maeda. Yeah, it's four years at $3.25 million base, so, I mean, $13 million guaranteed. But if he hits all of his markers, based on the back of napkin math that I've done, which certainly should be checked by a professional, mm-hmm. he could earn, I think, as much as about $13 million per year. But when you look at his numbers and his age, it compares favorably to Hyunjin Ryu, a former teammate he has with the Dodgers. So I think... If you're looking at four years and even paying him $13 million per, what does that come out to, 52 42 Give or take, uh, math yeah. is hard. Yeah, I think $52 million. So four years, $52 million, if he hits all his markers, means you still paid below market value for a guy who is healthy enough to give you all those innings. And the assumption is if he gives you all those innings, they're going to be pretty good. So it's kind of like an NFL contract. You pay as you go, which is a unique thing. You know, the, the Dodgers paid a $20 million posting fee to get him and then negotiated this kind of unusual contract. But so far, he's been really good, and there's really no reason to expect that to change. In order to get something, you have to give something, and the Twins give up uh, star prospect Bruce Dar Gratrall, that 100-mile-hour fastball to Boston is part of the deal. It's tough to see Gratrall go, but uh, the, the pros outweigh the cons in this to get a guy like Maeda for Gratrall. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think the whispers have grown increasingly louder that Gratrall will work out of the bullpen this year if he even makes the big club out of spring training, which now that he's moved to Boston, obviously it's a a muddier situation because I don't know how things are in Boston as far as bullpen-wise. I know they need the help after Craig Kimbrell left. Mm -hmm. But with the Twins, it seemed fairly likely that Gratterall was going to make the bullpen because with a guy who's got a shoulder and an elbow on him, you know, as far as injuries in the last few years, 
you may as well not waste those bullets in the minor leagues. So I just think the fact of the matter is, though, that it's likely he's a reliever for the long haul. And if he, unless he becomes a Raldis Chapman, it's pretty hard to see the Twins regretting this one because there's a very real potential that he could be like Joel Zumaya. I'm not sure how many people will remember that name. Oh, but yeah. The guy who threw the heck out of the ball for Detroit for about three years there, and then it just kind of all blew up on him. And now I'd never, I'd never wish injury on any player. It's just that he, there's a risk here. There's no question about it. And there are questions about if he has a third pitch and if he could you know, last into the sixth, seventh inning. So... I think it made sense to trade Gratterall while his value is still this high because if he becomes a reliever a year from now, his value is certainly much uh, much lower. Yeah, do you think that long-term Gratterall will be a reliever? I know he wants to be a starter, and that was his desire, but the, obviously the Twins didn't see it. Do you think he can work up and start a couple games for the Red Sox this year? I'm skeptical. I really am. And it's just, uh, I think at this point, with the way the Twins were talking about him, I think they were skeptical as well. Now, you know, again, he's, he should pass the physical and all that sort of thing. But the shoulder was significant last year. I think it cost him about two months. So uh, I'm I'm extremely skeptical he'll ever be a full-time starter in the major leagues. Uh, USA Today released their preseason poll yesterday. Had the Twins right around 94 wins. That was before the Maeda trade. Uh, where do you have the needle on the Twins? Uh, over or under 94 wins with Maeda in that rotation? Yeah, I think I would nudge up to maybe 96 to win 100 games again is, is obviously going to be very difficult. You have to look at what Chicago's done this offseason, and so they're not going to be bullied as they may have been in the last couple of years. I don't know if Detroit or Kansas City will be much better, but the top three of this division means that it's going to be really difficult for one of these three teams to win 100 games, mm-hmm. let alone you know maybe even 95 is difficult. So if they win 96 games, this is a more talented team than last year, and you can have a better season and win a fewer games. Sometimes it's more about the teams around you than your actual team. Uh, changing gears just for, for one question real quick. You mentioned uh, Chicago. Wh- which team are you more worried about in the, the Twins' rearview mirror? Is it Chicago, or is it still the Cleveland Indians, the team to beat? It's a really tough decision or question to answer because, I mean, Cleveland's outfield is a mess, but they can, they can hit a little bit on the infield, assuming Jose Ramirez bounces back. And their rotation, even without Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer, is still pretty solid. But, I don't know, I think Chicago, the sleepy, the sleeper move that they made was Yasmani Grandal, who is obviously a very good catcher yeah, offensively and defensively. He's but, the guy I wanted, yeah. Right. When you bring the water level up for your pitchers because you've got a catcher that's that good defensively, I mean, maybe you have a Reynaldo Lopez breakout or Michael Kopech comes up and hits the ground running or Dylan Cease or you know, Dane Dunning, any, any of a number of guys. Having a catcher behind the plate is a huge boost. It's almost like having another coach out there. So I think I'm going to go with Chicago. I think their offense makes them a little bit better, but I think it's going to be neck and neck for second place. I still think the Twins are the favorite. But I do have questions about if Dallas Keiko and Gio Gonzalez are really a good 2-3 punch in that, that rotation behind Lucas Giolito. And I'm still not sure how they're going to get out after the seventh inning or in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings. I know Colome is good. You know, they signed Steve Ciszek. Jace Fry's pretty decent. They've got a lefty, too, whose name, uh, Aaron Bummer, who's pretty good. Mm. But their bullpen's just not quite as deep as the Twins. So I think I'll take Chicago by a nose over Cleveland, but it's, it's going to be close. Right. If someone wants to read your stuff, listen to your podcast, where can they find all that? Zonecoverage.com under the Twins tab. You can find me pretty much exclusively. I don't uh, Tom Schreier every now and then I'll write a Twins piece, but not very often. And then the podcast you're looking for is Midwest Swing under the podcast network tab or i believe it gets tagged as twins too so 
if you click on the Twins tab, you should pretty much get everything that I do over there, zonecoverage.com. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for joining us on short notice. I know I, I, I messaged you on Twitter about 530 this morning. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We always appreciate the insight. Happy to do it. Thank you.